Welcome to the Ars Equi Podcast, a series of discussions between legal researchers and experts on all things related to law and technology. And now, here are your podcast hosts. Hi, I'm Paul. Hi, I'm Tima, and welcome to another episode of the Ars Equi Podcast. Um, we're really excited to be launching our second series. It's a little bit of a controversial one, but we think it's a really an important topic to be discussing right now. And we think it'll be really informative for everyone. So having said that, um, welcome to our second series, which is going to be focusing on internet pornography and the legal issues surrounding this. So the reason why we've start, decided to do this topic is because, as many of you may have noticed, there's a petition going around that is calling governments to shut down Pornhub, one of the biggest pornography platforms in the world. Um, this petition has been signed by over 2 million people, and the campaign against this was started by an anti-trafficking organization, anti-human trafficking organization called Exodus City. So Exodus City essentially wants Pornhub to be held accountable for profiting um, off of mass sex trafficking, rape, and the exploitation of women and minors on their platform. They allege that the platform does very little to ensure the safety of the subjects in the content on the platform. So yeah, so when, when we saw this, we were like, oh my goodness, that's a really relevant and interesting topic and we wanted to dive into this kind of seedy world of internet pornography that people don't really talk about but a lot of people access. Yeah and there are many legal issues that come with this so we want to give you an overview in this series about different aspects of this different uh, legal questions that could arise. So these are uh, mostly questions that we know from uh, quote-unquote normal social media platforms like Facebook and YouTube um, but there are, for example, data protection, privacy online, copyright, platform regulation, but they are even more uh, problematic when it comes to pornography because, simply of, because of the sensitive nature of the information that we have there. So we really want to look at each of these issues with especially new developments. So um, we will be looking at OnlyFans, for example, as one platform uh, that is up and coming in, in this area. We uh, will be looking at different legal areas, different jurisdictions, so be sure to stay tuned and to listen to all of our episodes. Exactly, and I think a lot of people don't know, and a lot of sources that I looked into, don't quote me, I got, the, I got this <laughs> from sources, but a lot of sources that I looked into said that um, pornography platforms have more daily visitors than platforms like Netflix and Twitter have visitors. So a lot of people are accessing pornography platforms on a, on a wider basis and more frequently than they watch Netflix. It's also one huge monopoly by one company called MindGeek Mind yep. um, that is controlling most of like 90% of the traffic right. uh, of porn. Yeah, uh, so MindGeek owns Pornhub, um, RedTube, YouPorn, and a whole bunch of other platforms. So, yeah, so based on this, we thought it would be really interesting 
to look into, like Paul says, all of the legal questions and kind of answer the questions that maybe you've wondered about or maybe you have never wondered about and you should be wondering about yeah, them. So, so this was me doing research for this, uh, going down a rabbit hole, con- like thinking of legal issues that I never even like thought about. Exactly. Before. And I think when we have all of these like legal topics in our minds, but we never think about them in relation to pornography because... Our profession and a lot of professions don't really recognize this industry of business and it's a billion dollar business industry. But I feel like a lot of lawyers are not applying our legal knowledge to this industry as frequently as maybe we should. Right. Like everybody's looking at Facebook and their data protection problems. But um, we read through the privacy statement of uh, Pornhub and there are some problematic points in there too. So more on this later. Um, but these are really issues that are relevant and that not a lot of people are talking about. Right. So if you're a little bit more conservative, don't freak out. It's not going to be some salacious <laughs> um, podcast situation. It's going to really just look into the legal questions that we should be asking and why we should be asking them. Boring legal stuff. Is yeah, so but with porn. So a little bit more exciting. <laughs> Okay, um, should we dive into the legal framework? Yes, so I looked at the legality of porn in general, uh, especially in Austria. So uh, regardless of the internet and platforms, uh, just pornography in general. And it's really interesting that there is a pornography law that has been, hasn't been changed since the 1950s. Hmm. Uh, and it's the same legal text since, uh, since then. And when you first read it, you would assume that porn was totally banned in Austria, uh, which is quite strange because it's in reality it is not. So um, I dug a bit de- deeper and found uh, a couple of decisions by the Supreme Court, which essentially are uh, starting in the 1970s and going until like the late 1990s and early 2000s. Uh, became more and more liberal with uh, their opinion and their interpretation of this pornography law. So from a more or less total ban in the 50s and 60s to essentially more or less all of it being legal now with the last step being homosexual porn uh, being legalized in in the 1990s. Uh, And I found this really interesting because this is a legal debate that uh, is just on the interpretation of the law that, that changed so much over the years yeah. without an actual uh, debate on a political level uh, and no legal ch- no change in the law, at least. That's really interesting. So we you've kind of been able to map out the progress of where the law has started and where it's come to now. Yes, and it is quite interesting that there was a phase uh, between 1975 and the late 80s Uh, where there were a lot of cases on this pornography law at the Supreme Court, uh, after which there were practically none. So for the last like 10 or 15 years, there were no cases, Mm -hmm. which, uh, in my interpretation at least, really shows that there was different different values in the population, essentially, because they thought that they could do that, but they got punished for, for example, distributing pornography Mm -hmm. because the legal system and the court said that this was illegal. Mm -hmm. Um, But people apparently did not. And this kind of conflict of values uh, subsided after the 80s because apparently the law uh, was in line with the values. Oh, that's really interesting. I mean, I looked at South Africa because Mm. South Africa is 
probably, in my opinion, but I'm sure in the opinion of many, the most liberal African country. Um, you know, same-sex marriage is legal in South Africa, and there's a lot of kind of freedom. But one area that we have been very conservative on is the area of sex work. So sex work in any form is illegal in South Africa, and sex work is a criminal offense, right? And there have been movements. I remember even back when I was in law school, there were movements and petitions to legalize sex work. But till today, sex work is illegal. So from that basis, since 2017, it has been illegal to host a pornographic website in South Africa. So under the Film and Publication Act, pornographic content originating in South Africa from a website hosted in South Africa is prohibited. Mm -hmm. But pornographic content originating from outside of South Africa mm -hmm. or websites hosted outside of South Africa is legal. Mm -hmm. So it's, it, it's, it's confusing. So South African porn, mm -hmm. quote unquote, South African homemade and a website owned in South Africa, mm -hmm. that's not allowed. But generally, porn is legal. So you can access it normally. Yes, you can. You can access it normally. But I think a lot of people will notice that there are no porn South African mm -hmm. porn companies because mm -hmm. that's not legal. And the law doesn't criminalize the people that participate in the pornographic content. The law criminalizes the owner of the platform. Okay. Yeah. And do people know this? I don't, I didn't know this. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know this, but I presumed this because, because of how conservative we are in relation to sex work. Mm -hmm. And to a large extent, porn Online porn is an extension of sex work, mm -hmm. right? There's some sort of payment in exchange for sexual activity. So I presume that this would be the case, but it was interesting to see kind of it being concrete and the fact that it comes from a piece of legislation that was from 1996, mm -hmm. which has been updated, um, but that area of the act has stayed the same. Mm -hmm. I looked at a map on Wikipedia which is quite interesting, which shows the different countries and where pornography is legal and illegal, and there were some surprising ones. So unsurprising is the whole of the Middle East is red, so there it's uh, totally banned. And North Africa is red? Uh, North Africa is also <laughs> red, uh, but also China, for example. Oh. Um, and what countries that surprised me were Bulgaria is the only country in the EU where it is illegal, and Iceland. Oh. So this kind of was un unexpected. Um, Some, some countries have, like, partially legal, so, for example, the UK. Um, but I think that was quite interesting to, yeah. to see, like, a different, the different yeah. countries. I think it's important for everyone to note that the legal status of internet pornography is complicated. So, in different jurisdictions, there are different rules, like we've just said. In Austria, it's completely different to the way it is in South Africa. So, I think that's important to understand that in one jurisdiction... Distribution may be illegal, but, you know, purchase may not, or watching porn from another country may be legal, but creating porn pornographic content and creating a website in your country might be illegal. So it's important to kind of know what the law says in your jurisdiction so that you know exactly if you're playing in the law or if you're kind of playing on the fringes of the law. Yeah, and I found this really interesting. There's a uh, law in the US, and this also goes into the direction of um, the, the story you told earlier, the petition uh, against Pornhub. Uh, so in the US, all producers of pornography must keep a record of all the performers and that they consent and that they are over 18. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. And this is 18 USC 2257. And you can see a 2257 on most, uh, link on most websites you oh. can click on. And where the platforms essentially say, we are not producers. So uh, the producers, which are the users of the platform, are responsible for keeping those records. And we, can do, we aren't doing anything about this. So the platform limits liability. They say, none of our business. The producers have to do this. And that's, I think that for us is one of the main reasons why we wanted to look into this is the the lack of accountability or responsibility that mm. a lot of these, they are making billions of dollars, right? Mm. And they are able to kind of not take accountability for a lot of the things that happened on their platforms because they're protected by this idea of, you know, if the, if the, if the platform is not aware of any legal activity, then it's okay. Yeah, so this is on the one hand a legal protection, and we talked about this in the last series a bit, that um, as long as you don't know anything about the legal content on your platform, you aren't liable. Uh, but this is also a political kind of uh, responsibility mm. because everybody kind of assumes that porn is shady anyway. Yeah. So nobody even questions what they are doing with our data and what is happening to um, people portrayed in porn because uh, everybody assumed it's kind of in a gray area anyway. Yeah, and I think also it's such a taboo subject mm -hmm. and regulators and lawyers and stuff are quite reluctant to dive into this subject. It's, it's not a popular thing. Like, you're not going to be, oh, yes, I'm a lawyer. I specialize in pornography. <laughs> you know what I mean? Even doing this podcast, we're a bit like, yay, on this, like, we're a bit nervous about it. So I think that also comes into play with why these platforms largely go unchecked. Mm -hmm. And I think another thing that comes into play is maybe the gender imbalance that we have here. Um, the fact that a a lot of the subjects of pornography are women and often not women in a financial position. Not saying that's always the case, but often not women in a financial position to really take on these massive corporations and really fight for their rights, you know? So it's often kind of a situation where these women don't have a right of recourse. And even if they did, how would they exercise that? Yeah, we don't have a Max Schrems of Pornhub. Exactly. Uh, and... Now, that is also an issue with the monopoly that Pornhub or MindGeek also has, uh, that you have this massive corporation that you have to fight against. And when you don't cooperate with this, uh, then you have very little other ways of marketing your content. Exactly. And I also think it's interesting that we have this petition that we've been seeing for months, but it's, mm -hmm. not, it's, not, a, it's not mainstream. I haven't seen this petition be talked about in the news or be posted on like mainstream media channels. And I feel like there's, that's a massive question mark for me because these are genuine issues, human trafficking, mm -hmm. abuse of women, all of these issues are such important human rights issues. And it's interesting for me to see that a lot of um, media outlets are not pushing this narrative or not talking about a petition that has millions and millions of signatures, you know, mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting and it's strange. And I always try to wonder why it doesn't get more attention than, than it does. Yeah. So um, recently talking about platform regulation, recently there was this uh, draft law in Austria on hate speech. Mm. And it essentially requires online platform to uh, install a certain mechanism, procedure to remove hate speech from the platforms. Uh, and... In my reading of this draft, uh, Pornhub will also be covered. 
uh, and they have to remove illegal content. The interesting part is how illegal content is, is defined because it's only certain uh, crimes that they have to essentially remove, mm. uh, one of which is child pornography. Yes, that's, a, that's an area that has gotten a lot of regulatory um, attention. That is something that people pay attention to. But for example, uh, human trafficking and uh, rape that are filmed and, and put up online uh, isn't covered mm. by this because the Pornography Act, which could be... Is, in theory, part of this list isn't covered by uh, this anti-hate speech law. So I think this would be one of the improvements that could be made um, so that people like Facebook has to watch out for hate speech, uh, Pornhub has to watch out for um, other illegal content. Yeah, that, that definitely is a good idea. Um, I think let's switch gears a little bit and talk about data protection because that's what mm. we do over here. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, data, so like I said earlier, right, it's common knowledge that porn websites um, get a lot of visitors. And in that sense, they have access to massive and massive amounts of personal data. Um, and these platforms should therefore be required to live up to data protection laws with the same level of scrutiny and standard mm -hmm. that Facebook is held to. And we found that that's not the case. And Paul did some deep diving <laughs> <laughs> into Pornhub's privacy policy. So what did you find? So first of all, I have to say that uh, Pornhub is officially incorporated in Cyprus, so an EU country where the GDPR applies. So you'd think that they have some kind of sensibility toward this um, and, and have some plan of what's going on with data protection, uh, which sadly is not the case, for example, uh, and this will get a bit nerdy in, in data protection law, um, they are saying that pseudonymous data is not personal data, which is just wrong. Um, they are, and this has become quite interesting recently, that they are transferring data to third countries, so where the GDPR doesn't apply, which we saw recently with Schrems 2. So they declared the adequacy decision invalid based on essentially US surveillance permissions. Uh, so we do see some, some kind of movement there and some, some initiative. Pornhub, on the other hand, just says you consent to country to third country data transfer. Which is ridiculous. Which is ridiculous because it's somewhere in this privacy policy that nobody reads. I'm pretty sure I was the first one to read this. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, this really... Uh, like this, this isn't really compliant with the GDPR. The same goes for cookies, where they say that I agree to have cookies, and if I don't want cookies, that I could just either not visit the websites or disable them in my browser. But then the website won't work anymore, which also isn't, uh, it, which also is illegal according to Planet Forty Nine, another judgment by the European Court of Justice. Uh, and there's all of these um, issues, for example, that uh, we don't know what the legal basis is for the data processing. They don't say really, especially this is relevant because there is sensitive data being processed, obviously. Yeah. Sex life is um, sensitive. sensitive data. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so there's a higher level of, of data protection needed. Uh, and all of these questions go unanswered when you read the privacy policy, uh, which, which leads me to believe that essentially nobody is paying attention to this. Yeah, because... How many violations have you just listed now? Like five, at which, least more. Which, which is crazy, you know? And the fact that they are such 
a massive platform and they're international platform and they have access to all of this really, really sensitive data. Mm. It's crazy that their privacy policy is just like so lackluster and... Yeah, and essentially they're saying that they can transfer data to anyone uh, and this is really private data. And you consent to it. And I'm consenting to it, Just yes. by clicking on the website, you Without consent even knowing to it. it. Yeah. So be careful, guys. <laughs> That's the moral of that story. Um, another one of the legal problems which we will be diving into possibly in the next episode um, is about copyright. So we're going to look at copyrights. We won't talk too much about it right now because we really want to look at the issue of copyright in relation to OnlyFans. Mm -hmm. um, for those of you who don't know what OnlyFans is, OnlyFans is not a new platform, but it really became popular during quarantine. Um, and it's a platform where everyday people who are not necessarily porn stars or in the porn industry are able to post pornographic content for their quote-unquote fans and people pay money via subscription um, to have access to this pornographic content on a regular basis. So we're going to be looking at that and the question of copyright because this really comes into the question of who owns the intellectual property that is developed, the content, so the pornographic content, who has ownership of that. And we're going to be answering those questions because I think for content creators on OnlyFans, this is something that you should really be concerned about. You know, what happens when you are ready to get rid of all of the data that you've produced on OnlyFans, all of the content that you've produced on there? Do you retain ownership? Does the platform have ownership? How does this work? So we're going to be looking at the question of copyright in that context. Mm -hmm. uh, another legal question is uh, protecting children online when uh, accessing porn. And there was, at least, is still uh, an interesting initiative in the UK, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So based on the Digital Economy Act of 2017, um, the UK has essentially proposed a porn ban or a porn block. So the idea is that pornographic websites will be required to verify um, the user's age before they're allowed to view content. Um Yeah, so basically forcing porn platforms to implement some sort of age verification system in order to make sure that people under the age of 18 are not having access to explicit content. And this sounds like a good idea. Sounds reasonable. Right? Uh, the problem with all of this is that uh, you are providing information, personal information and, and identifiable information uh, to porn platforms or at least uh, verification providers. Mm -hmm. this, this can be your passport uh, or a government account or uh, a credit card. Uh, and these platforms then have access to this data. Right. So you're giving them more data now. So it's not just your personal data about your sex life. Now it's your identification data. So your ID, a picture of you, your age, your date of birth, country that you were born in, all of these different information you're now will be forced to give that. So a lot of um, groups like the Open Rights Group, which focuses on preserving digital rights, they're really concerned about this, right? They describe this as a security nightmare, which is like really emotive, but they feel like forcing people to, in order to have access to porn sites, to give up all this personal data is going to create more problems than it is solutions. Like entering your credit card details to some shady website and like we've seen and talked about before this 
at least data protection wise, is a bit shady, uh, is a problem and the law obligating you to do it is another problem. Mm -hmm. uh, now, the answer to this is it's not the platforms directly, mostly. It's uh, third-party providers that use, like, verify your age, so you register once with them, yeah. uh, upload, for example, your a photo of your passport, uh, and then you are registered there, and the platform only gets the information, yes, this user is over 18, mm. which I guess is better, but now the pl this verification platform essentially knows what kind of... Uh, adult business you're doing online. Exactly. So, yeah, exactly. So, you know, what these activist groups are really trying to do is limit the amount of data that we are being coerced into giving mm -hmm. platforms, be them porn platforms or verification platforms. Their concern is that at some point, human beings are not going to have ownership of their digital footprint or their privacy and all of that is just going to be up for grabs. Yeah, and even if you implement something like this, it still is very hard to enforce. So on the one hand, you don't just have porn platforms like Pornhub, but you also have quote-unquote normal platforms like uh, Reddit or Twitter or previously Tumblr who... Um, have pornographic content as well right. so you also need uh, to consider those yes. uh, how do you want to manage this right plus you this is easily circumvented by a vpn exactly uh, or any other kind of uh, technology so um this is an issue a further issue is that it's this will further reduce uh, platforms because this is something that needs some investment yeah. uh, further strengthening the monopoly that that platforms have right now exactly and the british um, board of film classification tried to come up with a certification scheme for age verification tools that would kind of ensure a certain level of data privacy or data security and impose data security standards but the scheme is voluntary so it's there but you don't necessarily platforms don't necessarily have to adhere to it so that's also a problem you know if we're going to implement this law and require people to give up this data then there should also be pressure on platforms to implement a certain level of data security so why is it that the porn ban if it if and when it does happen will be compulsory but the scheme to ensure data security will be voluntary yeah, so there were all of these problems. Yeah. Uh, so for now, it's halted. Mm -hmm. The law has been passed, but it's not being enforced or implemented, which also is a bit of a strange situation yeah. from a legal point of view. And there even is a lawsuit now uh, by uh, an activist group that they should uh, implement the law because it's in the law. Why not enforce it? Right. Uh, so there are all of these problems around this and there would be better solutions. One, for example, that I found was uh, the possibility to purchase a physical card at like store, physical stores mm -hmm. where you have to show your ID once uh, and it's not being processed or like entered into a national database yeah. of everybody accessing this. And then you have this card where there's a number on it or whatever that you can enter online to verify that you're of age. Okay. So you have no data of you saved uh, and Anywhere. you can't be tracked. Yeah, that's really good. That's that's actually very interesting. Yeah, that's very interesting. That could work, but then that means you um, 
You really have to be dedicated to your pornographic activities. Yeah, you, <laughs> you actually have to go to the store yeah. um, and purchase a porn card, which, um, yeah. Which could come with a certain level of stigma attached to it, I guess. But I mean, no one has to know that you've done that. But I think that's a good idea because then that would definitely ensure the safety of children, right? Because children would not be able to have access to this porn card. And yeah. Right. Uh, also, an interesting technology that I didn't know, uh, you all, at least in Austria, you always have to put your bank card into cigarette machines, even if you want to pay in cash, because there's a chip on there that essentially says you're over 16 and over 18. Oh, okay. uh, so this would also be a possible age verification yeah, mechanism. That, yeah, that is a good idea. I think more countries are considering this potential mm. porn ban, because I know South Africa, the South African Law Reform Commission has published a long paper calling regulators to reform laws around um, adult material online. And one of the suggestions in this paper is an automatic block on all pornographic content and then requiring users to verify their age if they want to access it. Mm -hmm. So I think as more countries are doing this, they need to consider some of these alternative suggestions that you've made mm -hmm. because then we can balance the two. You know, we can protect children's rights and we can make sure that these platforms are safer and we can also make sure that we are not processing massive amounts of people's personal data or giving access to that, giving platforms access to that through the law. Also, one possibility, for example, that isn't really uh, legal but rather technical is the potential to implement parental controls on, on a device level yeah. so the parents can set what the children can view. Exactly. Um, so this would also be a, a possibility. Now, France passed a law to that effect, uh, essentially saying uh, you need verification in order to access porn. Uh, I tried it out with a VPN uh, and, and tried to access Pornhub, which it just asked me if I was over 18. And when I said yes, then it let me in. So this wasn't much of a verification, really. Yeah, so definitely we do agree that more needs to be done to ensure that these platforms are safe, are complying with the law, are, are not, you know, allowing children to access inappropriate material. But we also have to balance that against data protection and, and making sure that we are not forcing people to give up a lot of their personal information mm. in order to access pornographic websites. There is one uh, proposal or one directive by the EU as well, the Audiovisual Media Services Directive, okay. uh, that has to be transposed into national law or would have to be transposed into national law on uh, the 19th of September 2020. That's soon. Yes, in theory, but uh, I looked at the implementation on the European Commission website and there were just uh, two countries there, which is Luxembourg, which didn't really fully transpose this in Austria, where it is just one draft that was released a couple of uh, days ago. Uh, so not really... Not much national buy-in. Yeah, no. not really much going on nationally. But this would be... So this has a range of different... Uh, issues, but one of the rules would be that platforms have to protect uh, children from not from accessing uh, pornographic content. Hmm. Um, all right, guys. So that brings us to the end of the first episode. We hope you've really enjoyed this episode. Um, we'll be coming back with more. This is a very interesting series for us. I'm sure you agree, Paul. Um, Definitely. Just kind of diving into something that we've never, ever looked into before. So we will be coming back with more content. We will be looking at OnlyFans, like we've said. Um, what else are we going to be looking at? 
uh, how to remove content from foreign platforms, we are going to look at uh, possibly deepfake porn, uh, platform regulation, all of this. Uh, and we would also encourage you, our listeners, to send in suggestions, especially because we have so many legal issues, and you've seen that we're talking about this for 30 minutes now, uh, so we really have a lot to talk about. Uh, what are you interested in and what should we focus on and what are your questions and ideas? Yeah, let us know in the comments or hit us up on Instagram or LinkedIn or anywhere else. It's ID Vienna. So thank you for listening and we will see you. Oh, yeah, we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> thank you for listening to this episode of the Ars Equi podcast. Please be sure to like share, subscribe, and leave your comments down below. Thank you again and join us next time on the Ars Equi podcast.